Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Daffy's Roundtable. Today, we're joined by another guest all the way from Australia. So, of course, we had to discuss herping in Australia. We also talk all about Gillen's monitors and what breeding them is like, and we briefly touch on some of the other species that this keeper is keeping, things like Igernia, Shinglebacks, and Boyd's Forest Dragons. If you haven't already guessed it, I'm talking about Luke from Beach's Scaly Beasts. We're also joined once again by Greg from Beneath the Canopy Exotics as my co-host for this episode. But before we get into all of that, allow me to thank Exoterra for sponsoring this podcast and making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. All right, without further ado, everybody, please help me welcome Luke from Beaches Scaly Beasts. Luke, hello. Hey, Luke. hey guys, how you doing? Good. Thank you for joining us very, very early. No, that's okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit late. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. We're, we're, it's, it's Friday evening for us. We're just hanging out doing reptile stuff anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah, where, where, where do you want to start this out? Do you want to start this out in Australia or do you want to start this out at, 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 at how you got into reptiles? Well, let's say figure out how you got into it all. Okay. How did you get, how did you get into reptiles? How long have you been keeping? Um, sort of give us the rundown. So, uh probably got into reptiles like most kids in australia you know we've got a lot of stuff crawling around the backyards here so you know you can kind of pick up interests pretty easily just by uh seeing what's kind of available in the backyard and you know chasing around blue tongues and leaf tail geckos and things like that um probably a bit of a catalyst for me was my parents bought a property that kind of backed onto a little bit of sandstone in in sydney so we were getting quite a few snakes and lizards and stuff like that kind of coming through and yeah you know being a kid and not really thinking too much about it, I was catching them in takeaway containers and, you know, keeping them under the bed, that yeah. sort of stuff. You know, trying not to let mum know that I had, you know, snakes and bits and pieces. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I kind of faded out after, you know, when I was 12 years old or whatever. You kind of go through the usual teenage stuff and you know kind of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> usual teenage things, yeah. Um, and then it got to the stage of, and I must have been about 22, 23 or something like that and uh, ended up catching a gecko inside my house. It was like a little Asian Asian house gecko and kept that for a few months and just kind of fed that and, and did whatever. And I didn't realize that, you know, reptile keeping was an actual thing. So after I ended up losing that gecko because he escaped out of the tank, I kind of went through the process of seeing if I could find any more geckos or anything about there and discovered reptile licenses here in Australia and, and you know, certain... Um, Websites like Reptiles Down Under is kind of like a classifieds website that was available at the time and things like that. And yeah, you know, you buy a couple of geckos and then all of a sudden things start snowballing pretty quick and you start going through that Pokemon stage of collecting them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, yeah, that would have been about 10 odd years ago now. So I've been kind of keeping things and just kind of refining what I like and how I like to keep things ever since. Um, but yeah, started started with geckos. Geckos was like what I dove straight into. Um, went pretty heavy onto them, onto the knobtail geckos and things like that. A few anteresia, you know, our little uh, Stimpsons and children's pythons and things. And yeah, pretty much went through a whole menagerie of animals until I got to where I am today. It, it's fascinating. Which is a whole menagerie of animals. Which is, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's fascinating because you say get into geckos and I started with geckos. And, and for us here, I immediately start thinking, okay, like 
Crested geckos and upper geckos, but no, you went, you started with like knobtails and you started like, with that's with cool, with cool, with cool. Yeah, yeah, for us, for us, we see that yeah. as like, yeah, like those are already like, oh, you've been yeah. keeping for a while and you, and you get into that, but that, that that's awesome. Okay, so a couple of things quickly want to unpack there. Um, you where 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 in Australia are you? I'm in Sydney. Okay, cool. Because you mentioned like just in your backyard being able to see blue tongue skinks and things like that. What are like some other like maybe just a couple other species that you could see around that area? Yeah, so like quite easily you could see things like um, green stream frogs, uh, yeah, blue tongue skinks, leaf tail geckos, uh, lizards, velvet geckos, um, red belly black snakes, brown snakes if you're in the right area, golden crown snakes, bandy bandies. Like, yeah, there's tons of species in Sydney still. Yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, we can't herp. Well, we're in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> our winters are too long. We don't. We don't even have that many reptiles here. Yeah. No, you got to worry about bears and stuff. That's a bit different. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. We don't get them in the Not city. Much yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I get a couple. There's actually one that comes across the river once in a while to yeah. a park. Yeah, near where I am. But uh, awesome. Okay, so so another thing you said there quickly, and I, I sort of we, we I talked to Coop about this one when it came on, but but maybe we, we could touch on it as well. You said discovered licenses mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so you guys need licenses to be able to keep there right and there's is there mm-hmm. different licenses for like could you maybe like talk about that for a second yeah so in, in new south wales in particular because every state's different here uh but in new south wales in particular where sydney's located um you essentially have yeah like a basic reptile license which is a, <clears throat> a license you can just go and apply for online and they just basically in, instantly email you a license uh and that'll allow you to keep a whole heap of species to be honest like it, it really does open up probably at least a hundred odd species of reptiles yeah, so it's can. not individual based you're not getting per species a, a license no, not no not as such so you know under that basic category you'll have a certain amount of species that you know for whatever reason the government decides that those are the, the easier ones to keep the less dangerous ones and things and then from okay. there it kind of goes up in categories so you know you have your r1 r2 r3 r4 r5 and as you kind of go up the chain, you kind of slightly get into some larger, more dangerous goannas, for example, um, some more difficult to keep pythons. And as you kind of progress, you go up through things like a lapids and such. That's yeah. awesome. So if you were, if you were to, just as a regular keeper, if you were to go through all the stages, you are able to legally keep like a lapids and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You can go out and buy yourself a brown snake. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. When you're buying, we can't this hear. is something I, yeah, we, we have a lot of restrictions here. A lot of them are municipal too. So yep. we have our like Canadian restrictions, our provincial restrictions, and then our municipalities. Yeah. So like, and as, as you go through those categories here too, like there's uh, different sort of criteria you have to hit. So for example, I kind of stopped at my R2 just because that allowed me to have things like uh, green, green pythons, Boyd forest dragons, um, frill necks, that sort the of cool stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah but like for me personally i don't have an interest in keeping a lapids just because i'm a little kid yeah don't know sure. how to trust myself sort of thing um yeah. but when you kind of go through that sort of route you know you, you have to start doing like handling courses and things and have somebody sign off to say that you are capable of looking after these animals right. and things. Yeah. so you know as you kind of progress it does get more difficult um yeah. to get those licenses and you have to hit more criteria yeah, I think it also works that way in the states. I think they have you, you, yeah. you can do out. You get a specific amount of hours, and you have someone sign off on them, and then eventually you keep yeah. them. But then even then, 
they start coming in and checking it's, your yeah it's, uh, it's a venomous license basically yeah, but, like, yeah. but i don't know if your facility has to be set up in a very specific way and, yeah. yeah that sounds pretty that, familiar yeah but uh but yeah every every state's different here you know like okay it's, yeah victoria you can't keep some like tiny little geckos but you can get a freshwater crocodile you know like it's yeah it, it's the laws practice. make so it, i think everywhere in the world yeah. the laws make really not a lot of sense like mm. it's not the keepers making the laws yeah it's in 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 ottawa where we're based it's you know iguanas can't be kept which i, I can understand no okay snake I mean, over six feet no snake over six feet yeah. no lizard over three feet yeah, um, right. and it's it's like they're just like crazy um just kind of broad kind of a a broad scope you know where it's mm. like iguana day like that that's a massive family mm. like and i think a lot of people i think the people who are holding the rules into effect probably don't realize how many yeah 100 are, are within it shall we dive into reptiles not that we haven't already been talking about <laughs> reptiles, but you keep Igernia. Yeah, I keep two species of Igernia. Okay, uh, I, I saw, I was I was looking up kind of like what species you keep and stuff. I saw the, the Presso. What, what, is, what is the other species you keep? I've got um, a Cunningham skink as well outside. Mm-hmm. So Igernia, Cunningham. What are like some of the differences uh, between them? So for, for example, we'll, we'll start with a Cunningham skink that I got outside. He's probably in the realm of... 30 35 centimeters oh, wow. um okay. you know so a bit over a foot yeah, yeah. um uh, he's a crevice dwelling animal so you know he likes kind of like rock stacks and things like that so he's he's semi-arboreal i, th- I think you'd call it essentially so he likes to kind of live on rock, rock shelves and things loves to kind of wedge inside of those rock shelves and just make himself feel nice and secure um so yeah compared to like shingleback care as such uh a, the Cunninghams can put up with a bit more humidity. So shinglebacks are renowned for not they're, doing well with humidity. They're getting lung yeah, infections get, and stuff. Yeah, respiratory yeah. infections and all yeah. sorts for sure. Um, so diet-wise, probably somewhat similar. You know, they kind of love their their bugs and things, but they also love their, their veggies. So they're not, not shy of eating a bit of vegetable matter, a bit of fruit matter and stuff here and there. Um, which is, again is kind of different to the depressor. The depressor really don't seem to care about vegetables and such. They're pretty much just bugs and protein, uh, essentially. Um, but again, they're such a smaller skink. Like they're they're probably about four inches. Like a, a stonking one would be like five inches, sort of thing. Okay. So they're they're not a big lizard by any means. Are, are um, they also communal? Yeah. Yeah, they have been known to be communal. Um, the depressor that I have in particular, like the, I've got two that are separate. And the reason that they're separate is I bought a group of three originally and I had a freak accident where I had a couple of them drown. Um, so I was left with left with one. And then recently I've gotten another one back. Um, but they're, they're very territorial. So when I go to put them together, I'm going to have to put them in a completely different enclosure, different smells, different everything. Right. Just so there's kind of like neutral ground essentially right um because they are aggro real aggro i tried to put them together when i first uh got the second one and yeah the, the original one just wanted to tear shreds off it hmm. so 
but yeah, they are they are communal skinks. Definitely, Agonia tend to be communal. Um, I know certain species like Cunninghams in particular. Whenever I do see them in the wild, generally, if you're looking in a rock crevice or thereabouts, you can probably find like you know, at least three or four of them. Sort of thing. They tend to pretty much watch each other's backs, almost. So. Right. Oh, okay. Sorry, what was the sweet Cunninghams you said? Yeah, Cunninghams. Yeah, Cunninghams. Sorry, I'm just looking them up because I don't think I've ever seen. I've seen these Stoic Seas or whatever, and then. Yep. They, they all look quite similar. So they all kind of have the same sort of head shapes, essentially, oh, okay. all covered in little spines, really rough scales. They look a little more like a fire skink or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. So we see. I don't know if we, I don't know how many of these species we have available here. We see the gidgees uh, every now and then, and, yeah. and uh, watching the the behavior, seeing the parental behavior is is, is, is fascinating. So yeah, mm. that's the nice about communal. Um, that's 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 cool. Okay, and then and then for for the shingleback, um, I saw your setup the other day, and I know you said you said in the video that he, he's he's a little bit shy. Is it is it just the one you have? Yeah, it's just the one. I. Okay. I do love them as an animal, um, but I've just, I'm happy keeping some animals as just like a lone pet. Oh, but yeah, 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 for sure. Do, do you, do you think that he could at some point become handled? I, th I think you said in the video that he's like a little shy, uh, doesn't really come up to you. Do you think at some point they could be a handleable species? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Like m most of them are generally okay at being handled. My particular one just seems to be a little bit timid. Um, in saying that he's getting, he's getting pretty good. Um, like a lot of those videos and stuff that I make, they're kind of like backlogged. So yeah. that could have been that could have been a month or so ago that I actually filmed that. And you know, since right, then yeah. I've made made a bit of progression with him. Um, he's he's a good lizard. The reason that I probably don't play with him so much is because generally when I get him out, he gets a little bit shy and he weasel over me. Yeah, then you don't work with them as much. Yeah, it's like having a monitor, like some species of monitor just want to like, they lose their bowels as yeah. a uh, defense strategy and it's like oh this is not so much fun no yeah, yeah that's it so but he, he's a great lizard um i'm getting to the point now where he'll come out and eat in front of me which for a long period of time he wouldn't even do that so okay. you know baby steps i'm yeah. i'm not shy of taking a long time to do some of these things like in the past i had a mangrove monitor and i didn't see that eat in front of in front of me for over a year um until eventually we were able to break down those walls and it eventually kind of went, you know, you're not hurting yeah. me. I, I can't yeah. this mouse in front of you or whatever. So, yeah. For sure. This is super interesting. And, and so like species like that, I don't know, like species like, let's say the shingleback, how common is it in the in the hobby over there? Like for, for example, for us here, we it's saw very one, maybe one at the next point, we're never going to see I've, it again. I've, I've handled a pair and that yeah. was like, is, is I was it, lucky. Yeah. Are, are they more yeah. common over there? Is it something that you like can see at reptile expos or at at, um, at, show, at reptile stores? Or is it also like fairly rare for you guys to see? Um, I'd say that they're in the less common basket. And I think that's just simply just because they don't put out a lot of babies. So, you know. Right. And they're like a little finicky it. too. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um I don't, I don't think they're necessarily hard. I think you just got to understand what you need to do for them and just keeping them nice and dry tends to be all you really need to do and just feeding a varied diet, um, which, you know, for most most keepers isn't that hard to kind of achieve, but it's mm -hmm. just, yeah, it's just knowing that that's what that specific species needs. Um, 
but yeah, definitely a less common thing to to find at an expo or, or anything like that. Less common across like any sort of like reptile uh, classified pages and such. Like it took me a little while to find this one. Um, for a period of time, I was being pretty specific. So I was being, I, I really wanted a New South Wales locality one because they tend to be kind of like jet black, like the whole, mm. the whole shingleback. Yeah. Um, and funnily enough, they tend to be the ones that are a little bit more common sold but they also tend to be the one that's also very commonly poached uh, oh. and you know so quite often when you see them up for sale it can look a little bit dodgy some of those ads it looks like somebody's just gone for a trip out west picked a couple up and trying yeah. to make a few hundred bucks um so yeah my, my little one's a south australian locality one and funnily enough they're really really common in south australia in in particular around a lot of the the towns and stuff around there uh, and a lot of people in South Australia keep them because they've got a very dry climate. They can, you know, keep them outdoors. They can, don't have to do much work with them. So a lot of the time, people in South Australia might sell them onto reptile shops for like, five, you know, so $50 or something down there. And then all of a sudden, everybody in New South Wales who wants them, they get shipped up to New South Wales and then they become like a few hundred dollars. Right. So it's, you know, it's... And it's here, here, here you're getting your... No. Like thousands, thousands, thousands. Yeah. You know, I, I eight, often find like the pricing 8, stuff 000, so funny. You know, but it's so hard. Like we, there's no one. I don't even know if there's anyone breeding them in Canada. I, I wouldn't know, but yeah, um, I agree. I know there's European pricing differences people, from these places, even just between yeah. here and and the states, which is like right across the border. It's it's a very big difference in, in prices, and yeah. and yeah. and some species that are expensive here are super cheap there, and then vice versa yeah. as well. Um, well, I'll just take cloud eye for example. You know, it cost me twenty five hundred dollars or something to get a cloud eye, and what are they worth over in Canada? I know in the US they're like five hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, probably around the same. Yeah. The same here. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For for us, it's tortoises because we can't import tortoises. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can get expensive. like a species that costs you know will cost twenty twenty five bucks for six. Yeah, twenty five twenty five <laughs> bucks in the states is yeah five six hundred bucks here. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's absurd. But you know, if people want an animal, they'll they'll put in the time to save yeah. for it or whatever. So and, and it stops it stops, it stops the wrong yeah. people from getting them. It stops impulse buying. So it's yeah. like it, it is what it is, and I I don't begrudge it, but sometimes I'm a little disappointed, or my yeah. bank or my bank account's a little disappointed. You know, right? I get that, but uh, but yeah. So so you keep you, I keep jump, I apologize I keep jumping back between the gurney and and the shingle back I just I had all the, I thought they were more similar than than that so I had like sort of all the questions like intermingled but um, so okay so one thing I wanted to ask you was about keeping outdoors and you said you keep the Cunningham uh, outdoors I hope mm -hmm. you're asking that right um, why them and not the the Pressa? are you closer to their native ranges is is it like is your climate more agreeable with them or like yeah like how does what, what made you make that decision? Yeah, so for, for me, I can go down the street, down to like a few local herp spots and find Cunninghams pretty easily. Okay. Uh, so I'm right smack bang in part of their range. They do have a very big range. Okay. Um, but that being said, I'm in their range. Yeah. Uh, whereas the, the Depressor, they come over from WA in some of the desert country out there. And like I'm on the coast essentially, so it's yeah. very different. So, so yeah. more humid, yeah, higher humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It makes sense. Hundred percent. So yeah, so the the Cunningham's outdoors. He's kept in a pretty simple enclosure. It's basically a raised garden bed that I've made like a lid for, 
Um, and inside of there, he's actually got a another housemate in there. He's got a blotch blue tongue that lives with him in there. Again, I'm pretty close to their range. I'm within like an hour or two of their range. Um, but yeah, they've just got a simple setup in there where they've got a whole bunch of uh, like a dry box, which is essentially just like an insulated box full of hay. And then it's got stacks of sandstone and stuff in there that they can crawl around on. But yeah. That's awesome. Do you keep anything else outdoors? Not anymore. Where, where I used to live, I did used to have a bunch of turtles outdoors, um, which was really cool. I think that's probably the best thing you can keep outdoors here. Like, as, as well, sorry, it's it's best if you can keep turtles outdoors here. Yeah. They just tend to do better. Um, but yeah, I'd if space wasn't an issue, I'd keep a lot more stuff outdoors. Or I'd at least try to, or at least for part of the year. Yeah. When you're in a city of stuff. Yeah. 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 Coops, Coops out in the country somewhere, and uh, he's got a little more, a uh, little more outdoor space. To he's not even that far from me, is he? Like, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But he, he has, he has the yard to be able to. Yeah. Have all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that space. But yeah, no, he's only, yeah, he's about an hour, hour twenty up the road. Yeah. The uh, I have a question about the shingleback because I've I've actually haven't really had a chance to really chat with someone who has experience with them. I've I've heard um, I've heard some comments about how they have they're prone to get like uh, toe infections and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like, do you do you find that's a reality there? I haven't personally had that issue yet. Yeah. I have had I have had issues in the past with other blue tongue species or other Taliqua species with things like toe infections and things. Okay. Um, you know, being on the ground all the time, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, if they're getting like a nick on their toe or something like that and then potentially walking through some dirty bedding or, you know, yeah. fecal, fecal matter or something, it just opens up that chance of infections. Um, I'm pretty, I try to be on top of it as much as I can, you know, whenever I see any mess or whatever, I just try to clean it up as soon as possible just to try to limit that sort of chance. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I haven't, haven't had that issue but also i kind of think about it too like if people are keeping them maybe in potentially a bit of a wetter climate then maybe that's just fast forwarding something that could have been yeah yeah. yeah yeah it was just something i kind of heard through 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 a bit of a chain of of people so it was kind of quite, uh, quite often just kind of done. curious like and you kind of come across them sometimes with a missing toe because you know when when yeah. they were rearing them up as young they were they'd like knock it on something and then get a an abscess yeah. in their in their toe. I, I know that quite often a lot of the Taliqua um, can get like shedding issues and stuff around their toes. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, they, they don't seem to be able to get that off as easily as the rest of their body. Um, so that's something, you know, when I know the animal's coming into shed, I tend to just check it a bit more regularly just to make sure that it's coming off by itself. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, haven't yeah. really come into that myself. Yeah, just curious, just curious, because like as as people who aren't in those kind of climates, we don't actually we get a lot of hearsay. We get a lot of hearsay. Like it's I I enjoy watching what you're doing and watching your your herping stuff and, and actually getting to see where something comes from. Yeah, you know, well, hopefully I'll be able to get you a whole bunch more stuff on shinglebacks at the end of the month. Yeah, because I'm traveling down to south australia to meet up with a friend down there we're going to go pretty hard looking for gillen's monitors down in the southern end of their range and nice. yeah he he like comes across like 20 shinglebacks a day down there oh really wow. yeah that's pretty cool those are the blotches down there right 
That was that, like, sorry? like the, the blotch patterning. Yeah, like so same, yeah. same, same as my guy, where it's kind of like a dark brown with like that cream spotting and stuff. Yeah, as well. yeah. yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. It's, so maybe let's let's talk about that for a second. So you're going uh, looking for Parenti monitors. I don't know what yeah Parenti if you're definitely filming if you're gonna find if you find some Parenti that would be uh, uh, yeah I missed a chance at a Parenti in Alice Springs and uh, Alice Springs no in Uluru I was out at the rock and uh there's a German couple there and they're like oh there's a massive lizard on the rock around the side or whatever and went sprinting around hoping to find it but it must have scurried off and the way they uh, described it you know they're doing these ones so I'm like oh yeah. yes it's it gonna be huge yeah. Yeah. yeah missed it or really, it was just some little thing on the side of the rock, and that's why you didn't see it. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Yeah. When when they find like really tiny snakes here and ends up in the news, it's like you know, fifteen foot snake, and it's just a ball python this big. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we just yeah, we don't have very many varieties here. No. Yeah. So so yeah, that's, that's okay. So so have you ever seen what what their native ranges before? Is your first time going down to, to look for them? Uh, it's my first time going to South Australia, but I've been in the Gillens Range twice before now. Um, That's the photo yeah, behind you, isn't it? No, that one's... I, I can't see oh, it clearly. That, that, that yeah. one down yeah. at the bottom is. Yeah, yeah the, the one up the top's up, uh, up in Kakadu. But no, no, my, my last trip was in uh, March of 2020. I got to see my first Gillens monitor in the wild then which was awesome. One of my mates, Luke, took me to a spot that he'd found. Uh, we spent an hour or two out in the hot sun with our minds just melting inside of our heads trying to find one. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to grab some data and stuff like that and just try to bring it home. And, and you know, like although you're only getting that kind of like snapshot of that day in that couple of hours or whatever, it's cool to just kind of see those windows and yeah, try and to any- make up. Yeah, any interesting discoveries that you you weren't just like you weren't expecting about seeing them in the wild? The one thing that I think was pretty interesting, and one of my friends brought this up when we were on the trip, is that uh, maybe their their patterning, like the fact that they're grey in the you know lighter colours, is almost like an effort to try to keep cool mm-hmm. rather than trying to actually keep hot. So where they particularly were and where Gillens are generally found is through like dead mulgar and, and, you know, bleached trees essentially in the sun. So they're trying to blend in with a tree, but also maybe the fact that they are that gray coloration gives them a chance to be active during warmer parts of the day right. without attracting that heat into their body. Yeah. Like a, say for example, a Tristus, like a blackheaded monitor that would heat up quicker, what you'd think would heat up quicker being a dark yeah. color. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah, it was pretty cool to be able to throw the temp gun on the ground and see it at like, you know, 73 degrees Celsius yeah. and go, this is cooking. Yeah, oh, that's, wow, that's insane. 70, wow. Yeah, that's Celsius. totally oh, that's insane. Crazy. Celsius. Yeah, so yeah. the air, te- air temp was not so bad. It was about 39 to 40. Yeah. Um, but like inside the tree hollows and stuff where we were taking them was anywhere from, yeah, like 40 to 50 degrees Celsius. It was cooking. Yeah. yeah, and 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 is this around the same time as when you found it, or were you seeing them more? Uh, yeah, so we hours. No, we just found the lizard, and yeah. took took the temps within within forty minutes of seeing the lizard. Yeah, yeah. So That's that was pretty crazy. cool. But um, yeah. ho- hopefully, depending on what my mate wants to do on this trip, um, hopefully this trip we should be able to maybe see a 
bit more morning activity, or I'd like to try to see if we can find them in the morning, cause, like yeah. try to ca catch them coming out almost. Yeah. Um, one one thing that I didn't take on that trip and that I have taken on trips since is a pair of binoculars. So in particular, when you're looking for little lizards that are shy in trees, like before you even hop out of the car sort of thing, you know, you can throw your binoculars on and see if you can see anything in a patch of, patch of trees moving around. Yeah. So, is that where you're finding them in trees? Yeah, these particular monitors are generally associated with yeah dead mulga trees and things. So they they love just like living in the cracks of trees. There, if you ever see one run on the ground, like I'm sure you haven't, but they're they're pretty useless on the ground to be honest. Like they're they're not that agile. So yeah, they're you know, fast though. They are fast when definitely. they're in your hand. They're at least fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um at least they're, when they're they warm. Are quick. No. Yeah, they are quick. I've got a got a little girl in this tank next to me who's been running around like a madman, um, trying to get some weight on her. She's just dropped a big clutch of eggs for me. So okay, uh, but yeah, like they're quick. Yeah, they're not as they're they're not as common of a species here as some of the other small. I've never seen small them. monitors. I've, I've only seen them. them a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of. Hoping to see a little bit more popularity and interest in breeding them here and stuff because it's a lot of the time it's like European imports that yeah, we see okay. here, right? Um, and they're just like I don't know a ton about them. I like I I, I know that they. Oh wait, actually quality. have some at the last expo. Oh uh, yeah, were those the little guys that's big? Uh, there like were there were some guys? there were some yeah babies. there were some baby ackies yeah, okay. and some some baby. Yeah. I, I I have seen. <laughs> you saw last, them in a little box last weekend in a little box. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was that was the only time I ever. I I, I unpacked those. Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 they're they're fast when they want to be. But that's oh, yeah. okay. So you you just got a clutch? Yeah, I've got a couple of clutches in the incubator now. They're they're starting to kind of go through the process for us here in Australia. So um, she laid four eggs, and you know it doesn't sound like much, but for a lizard that you know tiny goanna that's like this big, and yeah. she's laying four eggs like this size yeah. wow. it take, takes the hell out of eggs. So, yeah. Is, is that about yeah. average? Yeah, I'd, I'd say four or five is pretty average. Um, yeah, I've the biggest clutch that I've ever had is eight. Um, wow. And that female just looked like she was going to die afterwards. Like she, I'm sure. she just yeah. given everything to it sort of thing. Yeah. So it does take just a fair bit. Loose skin dragging on yeah. the ground afterwards. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's pretty heartbreaking to see, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Do you do anything crazy. after that, like after the fact, like like do you give them a specific type of food to kind of get them get them the strengths back faster, or like yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to kind of um, feed them like a real high protein um, diet. So you know, I might give them some egg or some like kangaroo mints or something like that, for example. Which you know, week so to crazy. week. I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't usually give them that sort of stuff. Like usually it's just bugs, but when yeah. they've exerted so much, I just yeah. want to try to get a bit of fat back onto them. Um, quite yeah. often I'll, I'll put, you know, calcium and vitamin powders and stuff through that as well, just to try to get as much get back yeah. into them. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. And th that might only go on for like a week or so. And like, for example, this girl, I don't know if I'll be able to catch her, but she was absolutely belted. So I decided that, you know, it was probably best for me to, to do that. So, is that an yeah. adult female? Yeah, this is a breeding female. Wow. I, okay, they are smaller it's than yeah. I, I was expecting. Yeah, that's actually a nice size. Mm -hmm. no, yeah, they're, they're really cool. Yeah. As far as a goanna goes, like they're 
they're a perfect monitor in my opinion because you get all that big goanna attitude, but you also get them in a tiny package. Right. They've got a bit of a a bit of a skinky torso. Yeah. Slightly yeah. elongated torso on them, and oh, they're they're really cool. Yeah, short, shorter legs and things, yeah. but yeah, I mean, usually they're a bit chunkier than what she is. Um, she's just trying to get her weight back onto her now. But yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just mean like yeah, size in, in general. I, I was expecting something a, a lot bigger. And they're and they're a, they're a good colony. They're, you can mm. keep them in a good colony. Oh, you can keep them communal. Yeah, yeah, communally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so super got, interesting. I've got, I think I've got eleven of them at the moment. Um, all, all together. No, not all together. So I've got, <laughs> I've got uh, a group of three, a group of three, a group of three, and the pair. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a got a few of them, few of them going. Yeah, nice and 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 I guess that that'll since since you have a breeding female in your hand, that'll uh, lead us a little bit into the breeding of them. Um, like, do you when you're dealing with like nesting for them and stuff like that, like you're doing nest boxes. Like is that or is that just like a sand kind of thing? Like if someone here was was trying to to get into yep. into them. Hint hint. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I I tend to do sand. Otherwise, I'll just do. I, I actually think sand and like a cocoa peat mix is a bit better, just because the cocoa peat will kind of like help it retain a bit more humidity longer. Because obviously yeah. the environment that they're in is pretty dry. Yeah. Sucks the moisture out of the sand pretty quick. Um. So I tend to do that for, for myself. I've actually found that recently kind of like taller nest boxes, like a, a cereal container tends to oh, be really? my preference. So, you know, something that's probably about 20, 30 centimeters wide, but only narrow kind of only four or five inches wide, but then tall. Um, that's, that tends to be working really well for me at the moment. So um, are they termite mound nesters or? Here's the thing, right? So one of my friends, the same guy that took me on a trip to find these guys in the wild, he found a female that was laying in a hollow of a tree in wow. termite termite dust, essentially. It was like a the termite mound had been, you know, yeah. it wasn't a live termite mound, but she was digging in, a, in the dust in a hollow eight feet off the ground, and she was laying wow. in that. And he was able to, to see her, and he passed through the same area a week later and he thought he thought oh, i'll go and check that tree and it looked like it had all been packed in where she was kind of digging it out so wow that's really you know, cool yeah it's really cool and it is something that i want to try to experiment with myself so i kind of have a plan to almost use like pvc plumbing tubes and try mm -hmm. to find like you know a, a nice hollow log that'll kind of suit it and then you know use like a red sand and and cocoa peat mix or something like that to see if they prefer going in that hollow in the tree versus so my nest boxes are like currently like a a, a nest box but they've got kind of like a fake termite mound over the the outside of them just as a right. decorative type piece um but yeah they, they're essentially just nesting in what they've got available but i want to have that as, as an experiment to see if they prefer one or the other yeah what they prefer oh that's cool yeah 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 yeah, cool little lizards. They're um, yeah. they're one of those things that like no matter how much I try to find information on them, there's just not that much data. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that, that goes for a lot of species, but you know, it's it's one of those things that just intrigues me, and I just want to try to see all this sort of stuff for myself. How long yeah. have you been working with them? Uh about I think six six seven years, 
Yeah, then yeah, you should yeah. be the one putting out this information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. your job. That's your yeah. job, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. If, if only you had a YouTube channel, you could uh, <laughs> put something on about that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 funny, hey, because like I, I watch back like my videos because I've done like care videos for them in the past or whatever, and I'll be like, oh, you know, I'd change that or change this or whatever, and it has been on the cards. I need to do an, an updated yeah. kind of care video on them. Um, but yeah, I. I that, that's my goal too is to see all this sort of stuff in the wild to get like the real data you know it's one thing yeah. to do with a captive population but what are they actually doing in the wild that's my yeah. interest yeah no that's that's so cool like because like Where for, for us for us it's so all we can do is guess right mm. you know like you kind of go oh yeah this this works but it would be interesting to be able to to see you know like you know i know i, I have kimberly's yeah, I could do this, yep. but it would be really cool to see what they were, how they were actually doing, doing it. Yeah, in the wild. Yeah, that's super rad. Are they yeah, seasonal uh, layer? Like, is is yeah? Are they seasonal layers, or is it kind of just a all the time thing? Uh, in my experience, they're seasonal. Um, I know that you can, like most monitors, make them not seasonal, uh, and you know if you just keep feeding them and cooking them, they'll keep laying eggs. Right. Uh, I don't do that personally. So I, I tend to go through a cool down stage in the middle of the year where I tend to stop food and stuff like that. And then I'll kind of bring them back up about this time of year. They kind of hit that reproductive mark and start pumping out eggs. Uh, so for me, um, I'm yet to actually double clutch a gillens. So I know there's oh, plenty wow. of people that, I know yeah. there's plenty of people that have done that. Um, it's something I would like to try to do just to say I've done it, but at the same yeah. time, I've got to question myself and go, is that the right thing for the lizard? Yeah. You know, so just because you can do it, does that mean that, yeah, yeah what's that cost to her? Putting extra yeah. stress on Well, I guess like sure. in, in, in nature, if there's an incredibly abundant season, yeah, they, mm. they'll be able to double clutch, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's it. They're kind of built to, built to have that option once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is something that I'm actually going to try to toy with this year to see if I can at least get one of my four girls to to go a second. Yeah. Um, I probably won't force that on girls like that one that's just laid. And, you know, I don't want to cost her any more than she's already done this year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll be kind of cautious about feeding her over the next couple of months to not kind of get her into another cycle. But some of the bigger girls that are a bit chunkier and and that then yeah i might see if i can get another another clutch out of one of them one thing that i had done years ago and i do want to replicate this is i actually managed to hatch gillens out in the cage mm. so i um i managed cool. yeah I, I came in to my original pair and i was like oh it's like a little garden skink in that cage and it was like <laughs> kind of wedged between the glass and a piece of timber and i was like oh, that's a baby gillens monitor i opened up the door and i could only see one but four gillens dropped out and then, like, over the course of the next day, I had another three gillens, like, hatchies running around the tank. So wow. I just hit the nail on the head with that one, and maybe the, the soil was just humid enough that the eggs just went for that 100-odd yeah. days to, to hatch out. So that was pretty cool. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's actually what I was going to ask is how long is the incubation for them? About 100-odd uh, days. <laughs> yeah, 90 to, a, 90 to 110, I'd say, is pretty okay. average. Um, yeah. I try to incubate mine. So they're about 29 degrees in the nest box in, in, in like, sorry, in the incubation tub. Okay. Yeah. So for me, my incubator is set to 27 and a half degrees Celsius, but the actual 
uh, nest, uh, sorry, the incubation tub sits at about 29. Okay. Do you, do you get a, uh, have you grown them up enough to know that whether you get an even ratio of uh, males and females? Okay. Yeah, so Oh, so, so they're hot. <laughs> yeah, you, you went to, <laughs> you went to, to we're, yeah. we're metric, but yeah. we're, we're horrible metric. So, okay. so, we so all of our reptiles are Fahrenheit because the States are so close to I it. keep it Celsius here. You do? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so it's 80, 84 Fahrenheit. That's, that's hot. Yeah. 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 Um, I have, I have grown up my fair share of them. Uh, that being said, yeah, I'd say like, just comes down to luck really it's i'd say it's like a 50 50 thereabouts mix um some clutches you get more boys some clutches you get more girls yeah. so it's, mm -hmm. but you don't think they're like uh temperature like tds temperature test like germans or whatever I, it's called i don't believe so no okay no. Yeah. yeah all right so what, what kind of stuff do you do to kind of you said you, you you don't keep cooking them and you don't keep feeding them but is there anything else you like do you drop temperatures do you, do you reduce light cycles to kind of uh get them to slow down for a couple of months yeah, yeah. So, um, there unfortunately, you can't no longer get these things here in Australia. But I've got these power boards. Um, they're an Arlet Grid Connect power board where you can actually like plug in your lights into this power board, and you can set certain features on what you want that power socket to do. So for me, I've got my lights set to come on and go off with the sunrise and sunset of my Man. suburb. So then they, I don't have to flick anything, but every day is different. So they're naturally throughout the year getting that sunrise and sunset um, dip during winter and ramp up during summer. Um, so, all the, sorry, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Sorry, did you say it's connected to like what's happening? Like it actually. Yeah, so like, my inverts do that. Really? I can I can set it. What? I can set it to go for sunrise and sunset. Of like what? So, so yeah. every day it's changing sort of for them. Yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. crazy okay sorry yeah. sorry that's i, I had no, no idea no. that was a possibility that's awesome. i just thought i i have a, i have a bunch of australian species so if that our summer's not the right well, no, time no, for, no, yeah, 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 because our australian yeah. monitors still want to breed in your oh, summer yeah, that they would don't want to breed in our summer so yeah so I, I don't end up using the feature because it just doesn't work for that's anything so our, our our winters is like dark until <laughs> it starts getting light at eight in the morning and it's okay. dark by three thirty. You know? yeah sorry anyway yeah, yeah so you, it you wouldn't could, work for you guys at yeah, all but no, for me yeah. not so bad yeah. um yeah and i've got um uh, the, the heat lights i do tend to con control a little bit more but i'll manually set that timer throughout the year just to you know ramp up ramp down so for example they get heat from 7 a.m till i think 3 p.m nowadays and the only reason that they get that kind of what most people would consider as a short window is because this room does get very hot. Uh, so, yeah. you know, they don't need to be burning 100% of that time. Um, like even now in here, it would have to be at least 26 degrees sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's and we're only 9.30 in the morning, so it's starting to warm up pretty quick. Uh, but yeah, I do kind of dip that down during winter. So during winter, they get a point where they hit... Uh, zero hours of heat a day so they'll get okay. that for like usually only about two weeks where i'll do that and then i'll start ramping it back up and i'll start at like four hours a day and then every couple of weeks i'll just ramp it up another hour oh that's cool and then you have a little bit more spending money at that time of year yeah so that's yeah <laughs> electricity is not cheap yeah. yeah yeah oh that's cool yeah, yeah I, I must say i'm not i'm not as active with that stuff as 
I'm trying to do that with the Montemar Dragons right now. So we're going yeah. into like what's the rainy season for them. Yeah. So I've been I've increased my misking cycles and and I'm gonna try to keep them a little bit warmer for the next two months. And hopefully they lay the eggs. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm always interested in asking because everyone has different ways of doing it, right? Like, mm -hmm. so you said uh, you're reducing cycles. Some people I know will switch out the bulb completely for a, a lower wattage bulb. Mm -hmm. or I, I think you do something like that. Right? Yeah. You increase the wattage or something like that. But yeah, yes, it's it's it's, it's super interesting. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 No, that's very cool. I, I, I think I feel like we've covered a lot of the stuff I wanted to touch on the Gilmans. Okay, cool. Um, so I'll, 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 give, I'll ask you what, while you're uh, So, okay, so you, you you said 190 to 100 days kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Babies hatch out. Yeah. Uh, are they eating the same thing? How much, like, how big of a size difference are they from adults? Are they eating the same thing? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty tiny. Like, a good size hatchling, if you've had, like, a smaller clutch, for example, they'll generally be max, like, four inches, including their tail. So they still come out a pretty decent size. Again, if it's a small clutch, obviously if you have like eight eggs or something, the babies are considerably smaller. Mm. Uh, I just generally feed them on bugs. They don't really want to be interested in anything else that's not moving. So for me, bugs, it's generally baby crickets and, and cockroaches and things like that, just dusted in calcium powder every couple of feeds. Um, in the past, I've kind of just tub raised them. So I've used like just a 50-odd litre plastic tote yeah. and i've just put a uvb tube above that with a halogen heat light and then you know that way i can just kind of chuck food in as i'm walking past sort of thing make sure they're eating it all down um do that's they, been real do they eat large stuff like like we were chatting with uh with brandon from canadian cold blood um and he was saying you know breeding is kimberly is like he'll throw in big he'll he'll he won't go under a half inch cricket for like yeah. little babies because they just want something the biggest thing they can cram down their throat they don't care about anything smaller yeah they definitely get excited for larger food items yeah. um i try not i try to find that balance though mm -hmm. just to make sure that they're not like choking on anything not yeah. i've never had it happen but you know you can no. kind of see sometimes they're battling something for like 10 minutes it's yeah you know, sometimes it's our own stress i yeah, exactly. <laughs> i remember watching one of my ackies just like cramming something like and he's like yeah. bashing it into a rock trying to get it down his throat i was like oh yeah. yeah yeah it doesn't doesn't look like fun to us but for them it's excitement mm. and it's enrichment so yeah yeah, yeah. but oh that's cool I, I i do find if you give them something too small they just don't even look at it yeah yeah well that's what that's what i was wondering they seem they they seem like they're too intelligent to be like i'll waste my time on, on like this isn't worth the meal kind of thing you know yeah, it's not uh, worth the en energy expenditure to chase down something that's not giving me that back. Exactly. Yeah. No, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. You always like I, I always see them as like a much smarter species than than some of the others. Like the dragons will take something, will take an ant down, just because they're like, oh, an ant. Like I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> they'll, they'll waste the energy for yeah. it, you know. But I feel like uh, they would. But that's that's cool. And so, like, how long does it take for them to to grow? Like, are they like I don't I don't like. To, say like sexual maturities adulthood or whatever but like how long till you maybe consider starting to breed them is it like a couple of years thing or yeah for, for me it's probably that two or three year mark um uh, i'm not one of those keepers that feeds my animals every day so you know obviously with food comes growth i tend to slow grow or what i refer to as slow grow a lot of my animals where i, I don't i try to avoid getting them fat and i try to avoid yeah. them um growing too quickly so uh yeah i'd say kind of like two 
two years they're getting pretty close, but yeah, three years is more comfortable to start a breeding group essentially with them. So yeah. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Ah really cool man. You need to you need to speed up and start breeding some uh, some monitors, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, yeah. Okay. Do you have any more monitor questions? Uh no, I'm actually quite curious about the uh, sorry, I'm drinking my coffee. Sorry. You're right. <laughs> it's not the morning here, so yeah. I was yeah. to, to cover for you. Uh, I, told, I told you you can drink out of the watch. Um, the uh, boys. Yeah. Boys, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious about too. Yeah. Okay. My first question, and this is like, I'm dead serious right now. How can we smuggle some to me? <laughs> like, how can you box them up and send them to me? Because I, I want them like really badly. Um, yeah. No, they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hit. 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 I'm stuck. Hit him with the boy question. Yeah, like, I, I guess like something I'm curious about. Like here, they're super like they're super rare. I, I super don't rare. know how how accessible they are for you guys. Like I, we know one guy who just seems to collect everyone that comes into the country. Yeah, he's like, give me a chance to get any. Um, <laughs> and he's so he's trying to get a group going so we can really start working with them. But they're all a little too young to work with yet. But uh, but yeah, have you ever worked it? Have you ever? Have you ever read them? Right, they're fairly prolific. Yeah. yeah, they're just like most dragons. They'll pump out eggs. My yeah. my two I got from Cooper. Um, mm. okay. So over here, they are pretty accessible. Um, that being said, mine have bred, I would have had at least 10 clutches out of them, and I've hatched oh, wow. one fertile baby. Oh, wow. So, so I think that just comes down to potentially a limited genetic pool. Because uh, mm. mine are brother and sister, essentially, which you right. know, happen, happens a lot in the reptile hobby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe if I was to outcross a different female and a male and stuff like that, I'd have better success. But, yeah, I've gotten to the stage where I know she's laid like three or four clutches already this season for me. I haven't even bothered digging up the eggs. I'm just like, oh, yeah. come, out of, ground, come out of the ground. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think they would? That's like that's an interesting question. Do you think they would? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been done plenty of times where you hatch boids out in the ground. Um, I, I haven't personally, but being like a bioactive enclosure that's you know regularly misted and stuff like that, that's got that kind of humid soil, uh, I don't see any reason why it's not possible. Yeah. I've, I've hatched quite a few animals in tanks, um, a lot of geckos, obviously the gillons as well and things. So, you know, I don't see a reason for it to not be possible with these guys. No. But yeah, awesome, awesome lizards. One of the most attractive dragons we have, or probably yeah, one, yeah, absolutely. I'd say one of the most attractive dragons we have here in Australia. On the um, planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I love the fact that they're like sexually dimorphic as well. Like yeah. being able to just spot differences between the, the two of them instantly yeah. is awesome. Um, I've, I've had a lot of people say that their boids are like super aggressive and things uh, to, to them. Um, oh. Mine aren't that at all. Like I can open up the door and they'll like just come out and walk along the lounge room floor and scuttle up my arm and sit on my shoulder and stuff like that. Like they're they're pretty friendly little guys, but I think um, you know they're in my lounge room, so they see me multiple times yeah, a day. Yeah, they're used to you. Yeah. yeah, my son's staring at them through the glass all day, so they're just they're used to it. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, great little lizards, but like they they are a fantastic. Yeah, if you if you get them, you'll love them. 
I oh yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure. I, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's another at least another ten years before they're like accessible here. <laughs> I think it's it a few years. Maybe not. Maybe not ten. A few I, years. I, I think it'll be. We can get them when you're in port um, once in a while, but yeah. So are, are they? Um, they're they like it's cooler, right? Mm. They're not. They're yeah. Not, yeah. So where where from Australia are they? Uh, like where where are they native to? So they're they're native to the rainforest in far tropical North Queensland, where it's actually really hot. Uh, but the rainforests themselves can stay relatively, I won't say cool because it can still get pretty warm, but they're not like, you're not going to have to put a basking light above them or anything like that, uh, depending on what your house temperature is, you know, over here yeah. in, in my place, my place is pretty warm. Uh, so, you know, if you've got snow on the ground outside, it might be a bit different. You might have to do something, but. Yeah. Um, we have heaters. We have heaters turned on like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah saying, okay. It's got yeah, warmer heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you've got that, you'll be fine. They're all year round. Yeah. So, so yeah. then, you, are you able to keep them outside, or are you in too hot of an area for them? Yeah, I'm. I could probably put them outside for a few months of the year. Uh, right now would probably be okay, but if we were to get like a real hot day come through, you'd have to be conscious of that and bring them in. Yeah. Um, generally, anything above the sort of like 28, 29 mark, they start stressing a little bit. So you know you definitely wouldn't want to be cooking them outdoors. I know plenty of people that do keep them outdoors, but they tend to be in their range. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that would be incredible. a lot of shade probably. And... Yeah. You'd want to, you'd want to make sure you had like a, a big outdoor enclosure with plenty of plants to kind of create that dappled light shade cloth over it on hotter days, that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, misting systems and that just to try to make sure that they're getting some good drinking water and stuff as they're going through the days. But yeah, they're, it, it is funny because like they they are a cool climate species, but they do come from a pretty warm area. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, that's very interesting. But yeah, they they find those microclimates in that area for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Do, do they recognize still water? Uh, I haven't had them recognize still water. Um, okay. The only time that I've had them recognize still water is if I've like just freshly filled up their water bowl. But I think that might be they've seen me put water into it, yeah. and at every that, point. Yeah. yeah, and that new water smell. So you know, yeah. I know we we generally don't smell it, but you know that that kind of triggers yeah. them to drink every now and then. So, do, yeah. so how do you uh, do you keep do you have moving water in with them, or is it just the frequency of misting, or what do you what do you do for that? No, I don't. I don't have moving water personally. I might just go in with like a, a spray bottle and just give them like a bit of a drenching a few times a week. Um, and I do try to freshen the water bowl up a few times a week just so then they've seen it move. So if they do want to come down and have a drink, then they do that. Yeah. Uh, I know, yeah, heaps of people will say for that for frill necks as well, where they kind of have, you know, like a waterfall or something in their cage just to try to get them to, to drink. I haven't had to do that. Uh, yeah, my, my frill neck, like this, this whole room here, this has got a, a Miss King on it. The only tank that doesn't have the, the Miss King nozzle is the shingleback tank. Um, but when, when the Miss King goes off in this guy's enclosure, the, the uh, frill neck, he'll physically lick it off the, the wood and stuff like that. He'll go and seek that out. Right. So very similar thing to the boids. You know, you miss down the enclosure or whatever, they'll drink off a leaf, they'll drink off a yeah. log. You know, they'll lick it off their skin, that sort of stuff. So, mm -hmm. Sorry, what is that other species you just mentioned? 
Oh, I've got a Frillneck in the tank behind me. Frillneck oh, was a Frillneck. Frillneck. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, we can talk. That's another. Boy, that was delayed. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long day, man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I did. I did actually see. I did see him in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I watched the, the video of you feeding the uh, black soldier fly larva this morning, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did see him in that video, and actually, he's he's uh, very nice. He's much darker than any of the ones that I've seen here in captivity. And I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if we've just been seeing the Indonesian ones. I think we probably see more Indonesians than we do Australians. Australians are a lot harder for us. Okay, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful yeah. animal for sure. Because yeah. Australia doesn't give away any of its animals anymore. <laughs> so, see that's the thing in itself i reckon that you know myself as a reptile keeper and breeder i should be able to legally find a yes. way to sell my reptiles yes. to you guys yeah. out there i've thought about if, this yeah you know the government takes their cuts do whatever they have to do you know keep them happy but yeah. why shouldn't that be possible i can understand from our government's point of view not importing animals um yeah. you know just because they freak out about the little things but you're not harming anything by sending it out. And if the you know, government's as, tracking exportation, they can limit the amount. It's like, no, nope, we've already had a thousand exports this year right. yep. of this species. Sorry. Like, yeah, I don't care if you're going to make $40,000. It's not my problem. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As outside of Australia, it's, it's very hard for, for us, like as North Americans, we then try and get like a European line. Hmm. So, so we're making sure we're not crossbreeding mm. and, and getting a little bit more of a family tree. Um, you know, like, you know, a few years back, there was a lot of talk with the beardies being so inbred that, uh, that they were talking about trying to start crossbreeding them with something they did. else. They did start. Or they did start. They did to, start. They started, well, they started crossbreeding them with beardies from a different uh like Lo a different locale, locale. or a different okay, or a yeah. different subspecies of beauties or something like that i don't know so i would to be honest i've never got beauties and, I, and I until like two years ago i thought there was the bearded dragon in the last three months i've discovered there's like six different species yeah. of bearded dragons mm. so i don't know what they've been um crossbreeding them with but i was speaking to a bearded dragon breeder at one of the expos and he said they brought down a slightly bigger it's a more darker um it's like almost a black uh bearded dragon and that's what they've been crossbreeding them with and it's already been like it's already been done it's been proven to work the babies are free, like they're already on f2 or f3 now yeah. um how good of an idea this is i'm not too sure i don't yeah, yeah. i'm not 100 sure but, but they were getting so inbred that yeah, there was going to be exactly, yeah. they were, it was going to crash i think everyone should yeah. start buying other types of dragons yeah yeah but the, the, <laughs> the industry is so yeah. obsessed with bearded dragons yeah. selling bearded dragons is what how people have been uh, trained. Uh, I just dropped a drink on myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe they're crossing them with Easterns or something like that now. The yeah. Easterns tend to, or the Barbada, they tend to be pretty dark in, in coloration. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's, it's for, for us, it's the, that's our catch, you know, and if we could get like it, it becomes like this dream of people always talk about, oh, I wish I could work with this zoo. I think it <laughs> yeah. was the Easterns. Yeah. It was the Easterns. That makes sense. That sounds familiar. You know, yeah. just, just to be able to kind of get some get some new blood brought out to be able mm. to get it back into the in, into the uh the breeding because yeah it is it is a struggle yeah well it just funnels it and then it just opens up the lines for poachers and stuff like that which you know don't yep. always get things out the best ways and you know you got to no. think about how many animals are being killed on the way out sort of thing yep. 
Yeah, you're you know? better off better off legalizing it. You know, exactly right. You like know, it's that's... it's it's nearly a weekly thing here to see, you know, some sort of news article, whether it be on the TV or on Facebook or something like that, about somebody trying to poach out shinglebacks. Wow. You know, and they're all going to Hong Kong. Yeah, and they're all going to Hong Kong. Yeah. You know, to then be funneled out to wherever they needed to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's... Sorry, go ahead. It's just the way it goes, you know. They're they're an easy animal to go and pick up. Yeah. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. They're not a hard animal to find. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it it is. you kind of wonder at what point the government's going to step up, you know, like the Canadian government a few years well, back, you know, like we had legalization of marijuana, rights. right? For that reason yeah. of mm. trying to kind of stop down. I, I've said this on the podcast multiple times now, so I'm sorry to the listeners, but, but you're going to hear it one more time. Um, I highly recommend you both read uh, it's a book called Lost Worlds, uh, a tale of sm- uh, smuggling and smudgery or something like that. But there's, it's basically about reptile smuggling and like how, how and, and it talks about real life stories and how, how they got certain animals from places. Oh, that's amazing. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. I don't know if you, if you've gone through all the way, but they talk about how they were sneaking snakes out of uh, Australia in like Coke cans and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really good book. Really good book. Mm. Yeah. I do need uh, to open that up a little bit more, but I knew the one you were talking about as soon as you started talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 I I I I picked it up and I think like it took me like three or four days to finish. I I did not do anything for three or four days but read that book. I was like, yeah. this is like it's crazy seeing names of people. I'm not gonna drop the names here, but names of people that are still relevant in the industry that are mm-hmm. still around and it, mm-hmm. and and all these stories of what they've done like 40, 50 years ago. It's it's uh, it's mind blowing, but. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the hobby wouldn't be where it is today without them. Without no, exactly. it's, it is a catch. Exactly. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Uh, it also like gives that opportunity for normalization too. Like we still battle that with this uh, with this hobby. Sure. Mm. Yeah. You know, we took my Savannah to the beach one day, <laughs> and I had an older lady come up and start to. She thought it was too hot. You know, she thought it was. I'm like, this is like ideal. Probably even still not, you know. <laughs> yeah, they could probably handle even more heat. But it's it's that like, you know, all the kids are fascinated. Most of the parents were apprehensive, but they get yeah. over it, you know, when they realize, oh, you know, she's just like a little puppy dog. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's cool that you can expose people to that too, you know. That's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You might might have inspired a few more reptile keepers or at least enthusiasts down so. the line. Yeah, or people that at least aren't going to judge it harshly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We've only got a couple months here of good heat. The rest of it's indoors. A couple months is generous. Good good enough heat to take a reptile out is probably like two weeks. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. bad. I I don't like the cold. We probably have a couple months. Yeah, he's from a warmer climate than me up here. Yeah, so I'm not used to this. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, you mentioned earlier that you've done a bunch of herping trips. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's dive into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, I have. They were fun. So maybe we'll start it off this week. What was the best one? Um, my favorite one was going to the Northern Territory on my third trip up there, just because I went with a few other reptile keepers or, or guys that have kept reptiles in the past. And, you know, we were really roughing it. So we were there for... 
I think it was about a week and we flew into Darwin and pretty much as soon as we flew into Darwin, the cyclone was blowing through. So we oh, pretty wow. much had, we had to like hightail it out of Darwin, which kind of worked out to my advantage. So we drove like down into the desert to where the Gillens monitors were. Um, and, you know, the whole time we're, we're sleeping on the side of the road in swags and, you know, living off whatever caffeinated beverages we can get at a service station sort of thing. Like there was no good food for days. Um, yeah. How it was just a civilization are you? Uh, civilization. <laughs> we, we were probably about, tw- I think about when we got to the furthest point, we were probably about 12 hours from a hospital. Two or 12? 12. 12. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, that's how um, Australians gauge how far they are from a hospital. Yeah, <laughs> everything's poisonous there. So it's like, yeah, it would have taken me twelve hours to get to a hospital. Yeah, yeah. I, live, I live forty-five minutes from a hospital. The, the reason I use it as that sort of gauge, or in that particular circumstances, I remember my friend Luke. Um, you know, as he as he is barefoot with a mulga snake in his hand, and he's kind of playing around with it, and he went to hand it across to me, and he's like, "Oh, do you want to have a you know a bit of a muck around with it?" And like. I'm not super confident with lapids and things like that. And I kind of went, hang on, let me just do the maths here. If we, need, if, if we needed to go to hospital, how long have yeah. I got? Sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I decided smart. against playing with a snake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you're a very smart man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but no, that, that trip in general, that was amazing. So we, I think we ticked off, it was over 50, 50 species of reptiles we got to see. So. Wow. In one trip. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, stack like not as many as I would have liked, as always. It just gives me a reason to go back. But um, yeah, yeah we, we got to see a good variety of animals on that trip. So that was amazing. One of the biggest highlights on that trip was uh, Luke, Luke pretty much took myself and my mate Tyson up there. Tyson absolutely loves uh, Merton's water monitors. That's mm. like his big thing. He's got he's got one of those guys at home, yeah. and obviously myself with the Gillens. So he wanted to really nail getting both of us to be able to see our particular favorite lizards. And then he's like, oh, towards the end of the trip, he's like, okay, I've been here 10 times looking for the Owen Pelly Python up in West Arnhem land. He's like, I've never been able to find it. It's like, you know, the world's rarest Python. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were able to very luckily stumble across it. And within about two minutes of being in its range. Wow, so that is so cool. That was a, a massive highlight for us. We, we kind of geared up for a big night thinking, you know, we're going to be out here for six, yeah. seven hours in the dark hiking around. Yeah. and Getting eaten by bugs. Yeah, and my mate Ricky um, went, for, went for a pee and basically went, oh, you're not going to believe it. And he just picked one out from where he was next to taking a, taking a <laughs> wheel. So it's covered, and, covered in urine. Yeah. yeah. It was just yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. odds of it. Yeah, um, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So but you that guys was... did all, all three. You guys got to see your. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a we, good we, trip. That's a good trip. It's a, a massive. Yeah, it was a massive yeah. um, achievement in yeah. that sort of cir- circumstance. But man, we we saw some great habitat along the way, and you know there was plenty of adventures along the way. Like uh, we were chasing a panoptes um, out of, down near Barkley, and uh, my mate Luke had chased up this tree. And he yeah. was climbing up, climbing up the tree to try to to pick it out. And it decided to springboard out of the tree, dove out of the tree, hit a bush, and like it was like one of the only good trees in the area. And it pretty much ran around, 
went back up the same tree that he was still in and went around the other side of the branch for him. So then he was able to just pluck it out of the tree. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, that's awesome. How the hell did you come yeah. back? You know, it was just yeah. like a boomerang. But yeah, yeah but, um, just, it just had no other no other opportunity. It's like, I got to get up. Yeah. Oh, I could have ran anywhere though. Like, yeah. you know, it's way quicker than what we are. And yeah, that, but, yeah. that's so funny. Just stories like that and having a car break down on the side of the road and yeah. no, well, no reception. And, yeah. yeah, just all those sorts of adventures. It was just... It was a really good trip. Um, but, yeah, I've done a bunch of weekend. Well, what I'll say a weekend is where you essentially do, you know, maybe two or three nights or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Drive off to different locations. Um, one of my one of my trips very soon after that, after I'd been back from that one, I was only back for about two weeks, and then I went up to the rainforests up in, in Dorigo looking for leaftail geckos up there and, you know, finding some really cool species up there and went actually looking for... Um, uh, angle-headed dragons as well, so oh, cool. kind of a cu cousin to the Boyds. But did you yeah. find them? Nah, struck out. Yeah. So yeah. I know they're there too. That's the worst part. But I just couldn't yeah. see the little knees on the side of the trees. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, but um, yeah, no, that was a really cool trip as well. And then I yeah, actually did four trips last year, so I got really lucky. Um, Especially with a little one. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you've managed. got a great wife, by the way. <laughs> I do, I do. I have a fantastic wife. He said that just let's give, she let's give her a shout out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, yeah. I do have a fantastic wife. Um, she's uh, she almost knows that I need to go to the desert to get my fix for the year. Yeah, you know, sort of thing. So to at least kind of re-energize me, and and that's half the reason I do it too. Is not only to you know have some fun times with mates, but it also just kind of reinvigorates me to come back here and look after the animals that I have, and you know maybe come up with some new ideas or or something like that to to inject I, into them i also think like for me like i don't get to go do cool herping things so so much but like even just getting to like expos or wherever that are out of town so mm. i can go see some some friends of mine in the community and recharge myself you yeah 100 i'm a better parent when i come home from it you guys are really exciting yeah. me on the concept of having kids right now yeah very very <laughs> oh my daughter's gonna watch this sorry it's <laughs> great honey yeah but, they are uh, great until they go to daycare yeah well mine are 10 and 12 so yeah, they're they're past the daycare now yeah, yeah no, daycare awesome. daycare brings home every virus that's that's known to man oh yeah yeah it's disgusting it's not not fun yeah. <laughs> but yeah no been, been on plenty of good trips and, and hopefully yeah. a few more in the future you know as i said this south australian one's got me really excited and yeah, I do have a, cool. I do have a great wife. She booked the tickets for me. She's oh, being wow. a travel travel agent, so she's like, "All right, uh, I'm getting I'm getting the next the next holiday." And I'm like, "You, you tell yeah. us where you're going. Where where we're going? You know, like, yeah. I'll, I'll fall in line. You know, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting awesome. my yearly desert fix. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have a species like Have you already written a species goal list? The things that you wanna like absolutely have to see, or is it all gonna be like Gil and I focus? Um. Look, as much as I'd love it to be Gil and I focused, I don't want it to be 100% that. You know, there's some other things that I'd love to see down there. I'd love to see the South Australian shinglebacks just because mm -hmm. my guys are South Australian, so that'd be good For to sure. kind of see him in his own habitat, essentially. Yeah. Um, my, my mate's constantly sending me awesome uh, videos of bearded dragons down there, and, like, the dragons down there absolutely smoke any other bearded dragon in the country, I reckon. They're, like, orange as orange can be. Um just some of the most stunning individuals like 
from wild dragons, they look like morph dragons, essentially, like the right. colors and stuff that they get on them. Um, so I'd love to see those. Um, thorny devils. I've struck mm. out on thorny devils a few oh, times now. Oh, I forgot. So, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like really top tier up there for me to hopefully see. So should be in their range a fair whack of the trip. So hopefully I'll get a live one. I've seen like six or seven dead ones now. So mm. to be able to actually see a live one would be great. That's um, you got to be more careful when you're driving. That's the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our biggest, <laughs> yeah. Our biggest problem here for that is probably the road trains because the road trains can't just stop mm-hmm. on a whim. You know, you yeah. got like three or four carriages behind them and hundreds yeah. of tons. It's the trucks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so yeah. Uh, those are some big ones for me. I I don't know my chances, but I'd love to see Strafurus Elderoi. So the little mm-hmm. jeweled gecko. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love my Strophurus as well, so I'd love to be able to tick them off. I think we're going to have some suitable habitats, just whether it's the right location for them 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, right time of day and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Delaney uh, Nocturne Gecko. Delaney, so gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So going to go looking for those. A uh, very well-known area down there that seems to turn them up. Um Sand monitors are going to be everywhere, as they always are. They're like a weed. Um, what species of like sand monitors? <laughs> I think it's just the goulds, yeah. not the flavorous. We're no. probably not going to be quite quite up to their center now, range. Now, if you if you see one, I, I, I don't remember. I, I knew the answer to this, but I don't remember right now. If you do see one of these species and you're like, oh, what an incredible specimen. I need to have this. What is it? What is the problem? Like, you can't just pick it up and take it home, can you? No, not at all. No, no you can't. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely it has not. To be, it has to be captive bred animal or whatever. Yeah. Te- technically, in Australia, you're not even allowed to touch them, the wild animals. Wow, okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the only... It's it's a backwards country in that sense, though, because, like, I'll, I'll pick up a lizard to move it off a road so it doesn't get cleaned up, but, you know, technically I've broken the law by doing that. Yeah, but right. if you hit the lizard in the car, no laws broken. No laws broken. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. So. Yeah. yeah go for Safety it. of the humans is always taken into priority. Yeah. But sometimes it may not be like necessarily, like yeah, that that makes sense. Don't stop your car if you're about to hit a lizard. But also, if you get a chance to stop it and pull it out, you shouldn't be considered breaking the law, kind of thing, right? But. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm no lawmaker. Uh, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's. No, super- but. Yeah, so you, you can get wild catch permits, but I think you've got to go through a whole bunch of licensing and stuff to do that. And it's only certain states that will allow that to happen and for certain species. So I think really? in I think in WA you can do that. Um, and I think I think you can apply for um, permits to catch things in the Northern Territory as well. But it's not it's not like an easy thing that's just given to anybody. So yeah, I think right. gen- generally it goes to like snake catchers and things like that so yeah you probably have to prove that there's a need yeah a need for it Sending yeah there was, bloodlines or, or yeah there's a period of time where i was kind of trying to dive right down into that and talking to a few friends about it and stuff like that when i was thinking you know it'd be great to get some wild gillen's blood and stuff into the hobby and mm. you know that sort of thing but yeah it's just not easy it's, yeah. it's not easy to do, and then you've got to pay ridiculous money to get to wherever you're going to go yeah. find them. It's just when you've got a captive population, it's sometimes you just leave. 
Leave the wild stuff where it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's interesting that like native habitat can like, or like native species, can, you can also have like potential inbreeding issues going on when mm. you're dealing with native species, just like we do here. Mm. Due to the fact that you can't, uh, you can't get your hands on them easily, like from the wild. No, that's it. And you know, there's, there's always people that do get them. Right. You know, yeah. but at the same time, that that's not an avenue that I want to go down necessarily. Is supporting people yeah. that are going it the wrong way. So, yeah. so yeah. on that, on to kind of jump back to an hour ago, um, how do they enforce? Like, how do they know? Know what? What? Like, as far as the licenses go? Yeah, like like you have a you have a bunch of gillinite. Yeah, they're all captive bred. But if you like, I'm not promoting this in any way. I'm just, it's just a question. If you say went out and grabbed a handful of them, how do they differentiate them from yours? And then you put them in a box and ship them to Canada. Sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, look, to be honest, like, I mean, obviously we're talking all hypotheticals that there is yeah. no way that they know. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if there was like certain uh, trash I think, I think it's, it's, it's a trust of like, see, like if you, if, You'd rather have it than get caught without it, kind of thing, right? Does that make sense? Like you'd rather go ahead and go through the trouble of getting a permit than get than them just pulling up on you one day and going, "Oh, you have all these." Yeah, but I don't. I don't mean the permit. Like, because if you have the permit, you mean um, getting wild caught animals? Yeah. Oh, there's no way. If there's no way, they can can track it. Oh yeah, definitely not. I was just kind of curious how the how the government was kind of enforcing that kind of. Yeah, it's um, you get a bit of a yeah, gray it's, zone. It's a gray zone. You're supposed to be a good person. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, yeah. it, it, you know, if you've technically got things on the books that you've already got, you yeah. know, that you, you could. There's always the potential you could fudge numbers and stuff like that. But it's, yeah. you know, I know me and myself and my conscience and stuff like that. I'd, yeah, I'd yeah. Horrible. No, and it's know. not. It's not worth it. But I, no, no. The risk, yeah, the risk of getting caught for sure. Yeah. Even, but it's either. not it's not only that too because it, it's also the fact that you're you're pulling an animal out of the bush where it's it belongs number one yeah Num- number two you're, you're going to be stressing that animal to high heavens because it's never seen a box sure, you know yeah. parasite loads and stuff like that oh, that are yeah. going to come in on a wild lizard to be detrimental like the last thing i want to do is bring a wild lizard into this room and all of a sudden yeah. i've got worms coming out of everyone yeah. sort of thing yeah, yeah. like it, the whole thing like I'd, I'd like to do it through the, the right process if I had the opportunity to do it right through the right process. Yeah. And I'd like to have them essentially off-site somewhere where yeah, I can yeah. quarantine them for a period of time and make sure that they're okay. But, yeah, it's it's like um, – so to take um, Varanus um, quadrilineatus, you can still get those guys from WA on wild take permits. They're, they're hard to come by, but they're – it's possible and they really struggle in captivity coming coming into captivity right. after being in yeah. the wild and and generally they drop off pretty quick so you know they're they're one that you don't see getting around in the hobby that much and generally it's because it's coming through those wild court lines rather than an actual captive population as such so yeah it's 
pros and cons, right? Like yeah. it's all good in theory to think like, oh, I'm bringing in new blood. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But sometimes the headache to do it and thousands oh, of miles later and all the rest of it, like bring yeah. in the wild court, set up your population, and then hopefully you can squash having to wild catch any further of that species. Yeah. But eventually you get into that funnel too with genetics and you kind of hit a yep. roadblock and you go, yeah. it would be good to have another half a dozen yeah. of these or whatever just to outcross with. But Just yeah. another five would be good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just need one more. Just one more time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as somebody that can like go out and see bearded dragons and, you know, I assume they're probably fairly common over there too. Uh, and you keep one as well. Mm-hmm. Do they still excite you? Like they do to like keepers all over the world? Yeah. hundred percent. I, I love seeing beardies. Um, I think too, cause beardies aren't like exactly around the corner for me. They're, you know, a good drive inland to go, okay. to go see them. Um, cause I'm east of the great dividing range. Pretty much as soon as you go west of the Great Dividing Range, you can start coming into their their habitat. Uh, but yeah, it's probably about six hours or so for me to get into Central Bearded Dragon habitat. Uh, but yeah, no, I get excited seeing them. Yeah. I get excited seeing them. It's cool watching him in the wild, and and like anything, it's cool seeing them in the wild and then trying to bring that information home to better your own keeping. And like, I'm pretty lucky in that circumstance where I can do that. You know, I can go out there and I can see that bearded dragon sitting 12 foot up in a tree. Yeah. And that's the argument I have. I have that with everybody because I've seen like you and Coop and stuff. But I see these things. things. It's It's like like, everybody sees them up in trees and stuff. That's not something anybody here ever thinks of or considers. No, like, you know, we give them a two foot tall box or something like that. And it's like, well, that's a nothing for them. So, you know, that was one thing that I've, I've changed around with my bearded dragon. You know, obviously you can never recreate the wild all the time but my dragon's now in a four foot tall box so at least he's right. got a bit of a higher vantage point that he can kind of sit on and you know yeah. mim- mimic what he'd be doing in the wild sitting on a fence post or up a tree or something just that little bit more um, yeah yeah it's, it's no it's cool it's crazy it's, 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 like they're just around houses and stuff like it's mind blowing yeah. yeah well yeah. and it's what we think about like uh so many of the arid species we just kind of go oh they don't climb yeah, well, I think yeah, they sit in the sand all the time and they don't climb. We you assume know? too many things. I think uh, I think the same could be said about like humidity levels. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people don't 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 spray them, don't give them water, don't like, and they're just like, oh, they're they're desert species because they. I was actually sure, and and it's like, I, I was at a store a couple days ago. A guy came in, and I can't remember how the how the topic came up, but he started talking about uh, um, someone had told him that he didn't need to give his beardy uh, water, water dish. Yeah. I hear this all that time. they that they get all their water from the worms food. they eat. Yeah, I hear this all the time. Mm. So I have to give them this kind of worm like twice a week, and I'm like, I probably give them a water bowl or spray them down. You know, or, yeah, or yeah, yeah, something. You know, Same just thing gets said about leopard geckos. Try and um, yeah, like you, everything needs water to some degree. Do you give your? I guess since we're on the topic, do you give your uh, arid species water bowls? Everyone's got a water bowl. Yeah. Um, and everyone gets yeah so i've got the miss king on them three times a week for one minute yeah so, so how, it's how, not no go ahead sorry it's not a lot of water but it's enough to bump that relative humidity up and you know what people don't realize too is a lot of reptiles not all reptiles but a lot of reptiles breathe in water and yeah. get humidity like get moisture content in them that way i know it's pretty i think it's chameleons get that a lot mm-hmm. um you know, I don't know if that goes for all these guys, but in saying that, 
why not? It just bumps up that relative humidity for them a little bit so they're not drying out so much. Yeah. I know I went through a big issue recently and it actually it did cost me a couple of animals, but I was using a lot of those deep heat projectors. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this particular podcast, but it rang true with me. But I, I was listening to uh, Reptiles and Research with the Beardy Vet. Yeah. It yeah. did like a three-plus-hour podcast on there. Yeah. I didn't realise that those deep heat projectors activate the water in the reptile's bodies differently to what like a halogen heat light does. So basically those deep heat projectors can dry out your animals quicker. Oh. And I've actually heard that from multiple sources now. And uh, I was talking to a few patrons about it as well over on my YouTube channel and stuff. And, and I've now heard two or three accounts from them to say the same sort of thing where they've essentially dried out animals and made them anemic and stuff like that and not been able to bounce back. So I actually think that was the reason that I lost my original pair of gilanoi um is they just got too dry and, and didn't have that space to bounce back essentially and since ripping out all of those dp projectors and just kind of upping the misting and stuff here and and changing a few things up there was a few animals that were starting to get a bit sort of skinny a few gillons and stuff that were starting to get a bit skinny and they're bouncing back it's oh, kind of crazy that's really interesting yeah it was yeah, and I'm talking like they started bouncing back within like two weeks mm. of it. That's yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Um, it, you know, it is people people forget how important water is to animals, whether and, and, and in this perspective, like how important losing water is to them yeah. as well. Well, and, mm. and, and these new things come out that we don't know what's on about. Yeah, you know, we kind of like we we're prone to believe the uh the hype. Yeah. You know, yep. so it's like, oh, this does this, this heats them right through this. And, we, and you don't necessarily step back and think, okay, well, if we're going, if it's doing that, then it is going to increase evaporation throughout their yep. body. You know, that makes sense in, in retrospect. Yeah. Now, and I was the exact same. You know, I went out and bought a whole room full of these heat projectors thinking they were the best thing on the market. But, you know, lo and behold, it's, you know, after a year and a half of running them and starting to run into some issues, mm-hmm. you know takes a bit of time for some things to develop i have a few of those at home i will pay more attention yeah just like i'm sure i'm sure with certain species and if you're getting adequate water and stuff to them it's not so bad but i think for me doing arid species that are already in a dry environment and then adding something that's cooking them even further maybe that just didn't work out so much but yeah i've now taken them off everything after after that and i'm already seeing the results of them bouncing back so yeah oh that no yeah. that uh that's interesting because lucy had had one on oh yeah. interesting yeah. and okay that, that who was lucy lucy uh that's is very a, interesting uh, white throat of mine that just passed away okay um and the whole thing was kind of crazy it was really saturday perfectly fine Monday, deathbed, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I put her in some water, and uh, as she was, she was sort of twitching stuff. So it was like, okay, is there pressure on her spine from, from blockage? Is there? Why well, I put her in the water? She had like massive bowel movements, mm. and uh, but then never, never recovered from it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it was uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. 
it, it's one of those things too you know like we we have to live and learn and and yeah. try to figure out you know has it been something that we've done is it something that's just wrong with that particular animal you know mm -hmm. all these sorts of things like it's it can be so many different possibilities but it's about us trying to uh limit the chances for things to go wrong yeah almost in a sense and yeah we've got to experiment as we go but i suppose like any new newer sort of technology maybe we just need to sit on it a bit uh, more cautiously and yeah and that was a and, and they like a high heat they like a high bask so and she, a, she just sat know. there on that rock a lot and would cook herself probably Seamless. See, that's what happened with my original gillens yeah. too, is because yeah. they they pretty much loved this one crack in this log, which was just straight underneath that heat projector. Yeah. And you know they'd come out and they'd eat and they're doing everything, but I'm like, Man, you're not not keeping the weight on you. This is mm. it's just not happening. I went through and I wormed my whole collection like three times, just thinking yeah. like maybe there's something there. So I hadn't seen any signs, but maybe there's something there. So I was just trying to rule that out, and it still didn't fix anything. So. Yeah, and then I came across that that Beardy Vet uh, podcast, yeah. and I think it's like the one hour fifty five mark. He starts talking about deep heat projectors and how the the uh, they run on an unnatural wavelength to the sun. I, I will whatever, check, check that, that out. I will check that out for sure because that's yeah. that's really interesting. Because you know, with this whole situation, I've really like I've 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 been beating myself up trying pretty badly is, trying yeah. to figure out what it is because I. I adored her, um, and uh, yeah, just trying you try and figure out what what you've done wrong, or if it was you, or if it wasn't, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's that's very very interesting because I don't have that. I don't have them on many things. I do have two bulbs, and, and one of them was like a really high wattage on her. Yeah, I'm. Um, I've got a, a full crate of them now. I'll keep them just as like a backup when the heat light blows or something like that until I get you know, yeah. give me a day or two day or two type thing. But yeah, it's too expensive to, to throw out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I spent yeah. hundreds of dollars on them. Oh yeah, um, you know, I had them above green tree pythons and everything. And you know, green tree pythons being that yeah. bit more sensitive again. I, yeah. I hadn't seen anything on them, but I'm just like, I'm not risking that. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, because you were breeding them at one point, were you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Green tree pythons. Green tree pythons. Yeah. Are you still keeping any? Yeah, I've still got six. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was actually hoping to get a clutch out of my my pair this year, and I, I held four of their babies back two years ago. Um, but I don't know. I scratch my head looking at her every day. I look at her. I'm like, you look fat. You look gravid. What's oh. happening? <laughs> oh man, I've been living a hell because of this. I feel you. This is exactly yeah. Yeah. all my animals are in that position right now. It's yeah. driving me crazy. Yeah, yeah. You have a bunch of them this year that are. They look like they, they all they look like, like fifteen marbles. Yeah. So I, I don't doubt. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling, my friend. Yeah. 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 It's uh, drives me mental, but for sure. you know, we'll if not this year, I'll give her a crack again next year. For sure. But, Do you yeah. keep any other snakes? Uh, at the moment, I don't keep much. I've got a pair of rough scale pythons, uh, a pair That's of children's awesome. pythons, and a Stimson's python as well. Uh, in the in the past, I've kept an olive and jungles and diamonds and all sorts of carpets, womers, that sort of stuff. I've had a blackhead here or there at one yeah. point. You know, That's like awesome. yeah, I've I've done my round with pythons. Probably one of the yeah. coolest snakes I ever kept was brown tree snakes. That oh, was awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
just de- dealing with some rear fang venomous stuff yeah. little colubrids they were, they were pretty funky yeah um but yeah no um i don't know i'm kind of moving away from the the pythons a lot i, I love the greens though just because they excite me they legitimately yeah. excite me yeah. i think especially with the way that i keep them too in sort of more naturalistic setups and stuff uh rather than the old puppy pads and water bottles yeah. and stuff like yeah. that you know it's just you know, I've seen like my baby greens every now and then. Like I've got this one in particular who he like goes and sits underneath the leaf litter and like hunts like an adder. You're like caught a lure from underneath the leaf litter. Oh wow. Like waiting for something to go past. And yeah, you know, any other forum they'd be screaming at you going, you something wrong with your snake. But that's just what he does. He goes to yeah. the ground every now and then, hunts from there. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, then, then do you then do you pretend to walk a little mouse by? Oh, I just quickly go and defrost one for him. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, yeah. yeah. You're, in your, you're in your special hunting spot. All right. Yeah. yeah. I know what this means. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. cool, Snakes. Yeah. So, okay. So, this might this may be a stupid question, but uh, you guys can only keep... Okay, I knew that I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it again just just, uh, just so the rest of my question makes sense. You guys can only keep species from Australia, correct? Correct. Okay. So then I assume all the green tree pythons you have are from one locale. Like you can't, you guys can't, aren't able to get like all the Indonesian stuff or anything like that, right? Uh, incorrect. So like, like most things, uh, things have made their way here one okay. way, shape or another. Okay. Cool. Uh, so it's the same as, you know, you guys over in North America pop out a cool looking beardy and then all of a sudden next year it's here too. Yeah. So, okay. you know, things make their ways around. Um, so my my particular green tree pythons i know one of them's definitely like my adults definitely aussie the other one's kind of it's definitely viridus like it's only throwing yellow babies but at the same time it's um it doesn't look like a hundred percent aussie but there are people here that have you know red babies coming out and stuff like that from the northern populations of png and that so you know that that's been happening for 20 30 years yeah. sort of thing so so my well question wasn't that stupid oh, yeah. <laughs> no no yeah. No, no. Yeah. It, okay. it's it's the same as anything you know in particular like morphs and stuff like that you know as soon as another country's got a morph it, it'll turn up here eventually you know right, right. yeah so. somehow that's, some, that's super interesting yeah. some bottle floating uh thrown into the ocean yeah yeah i'm telling you yeah, bro it's it's like a zero bearded dragon like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they were doing them in like pepsi cans and in newspapers and, and stuff yeah. like that and like, fails false bottom boxes so that's like a drug scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that the book yeah. is fascinating anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that note um did you have any more questions for uh one really big oh, topic actually rabbits no no i'm joking <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? yeah no, uh, yeah, no i know i i think uh yeah that's like what a great chat no yeah awesome okay on that piece luke thank you very very much for coming on this was super fascinating episode um can you let everyone know where they can keep up with you where they can find you yeah for sure so pretty much on youtube or instagram or facebook or wherever uh if you just look up beaches scaly beasts you'll be able to find me there awesome and yeah as always links will all be in the description in the show notes yeah, man, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. On that. Just, uh, yeah, I, we, we could probably talk about Australia all day and maybe hopefully one day we'll make it down there. But uh, <laughs> you got, the, the differences in the hobby, super fascinating. And, and just, I, I guess, yeah, the, the 
the, the stuff that you guys are able to keep that we're not and then the other way around it just it's, it's all super interesting but yeah um give beaches scaly beasts to follow go check them out on youtube instagram facebook like i said everything will be in the description thank you very much mr greg for hosting yeah, this episode no. with me i appreciate thank it you. as always and uh yeah thank you everyone we'll see you on the next episode